Hello and welcome to GameSpot's Last of Us Part 2 spoiler chat. A lot of us have been waiting for this. There's a lot to talk about with this game. Joining me today is the reviewer, Callie Plaguey. Hello. Edmund Tran. Hello. And Jordan Ramey. Hello. So we've all played The Last of Us now, some of us multiple times, uh, but Callie, why don't you start, since you reviewed it, what are your overall thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2? Um, yeah, first of all, I just want to say I have two reviews, one of which has no spoilers, and the other one is a spoiler review. If you're listening to this podcast, I assume that you could handle the spoiler review. Um, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, there's, they're the same review, same score. Um, the spoiler one's just more detailed um, and with more, um, you know, with spoilers, I can talk a little bit more about why I thought the things that I thought about this game. So um, please read that. Um, my overall takeaway is that I think this game is a fantastic character study. Um, I really particularly fell in love with Abby as a character. I think the game doesn't work without her and her section really um, was a pivotal moment, well, not moment, but a pivotal part for me in in uh, really appreciating this game. Um, I do think that, you know, if we examine violence, in The Last of Us Part Two, as a mechanic, I think that's where the game has some issues. Um, I know that we'll, we'll get into some of the other issues that other people had with the game, but um, for me, that was the, the big stumbling block, was the, the use of violence in certain instances being pretty unexamined. Um, you know, neither Ellie nor Abby really faces consequences for the, they're not nameless, but the largely nameless, largely anonymous grunt type characters that you kill in the game. Um, however, overall, I thought that the story was really something and it really, um, affected me a lot. And yeah, so overall I liked it. How about you, Ed? Yeah. Affected me a lot is a good, uh, way to put it. Uh, I, upon finishing game, uh, upon finishing this game, I was kind of left into like a funk for a few days afterwards. It's a very bleak, uh, and very hopeless game. Um, there are some moments of levity in there that you do forget about and you do uh, appreciate in new ways once you come around the second time, which I did. Um, but I think overall, it was a very powerful game for me. I do recognize it has its faults uh, for sure, but it is very effective in a lot of different ways and not just because there's been a lot of money thrown at it. I think the character study thing is uh, you know, a very strong point and Abby is one of the best parts of the game, which was just made it such a shame that we couldn't talk about her at all uh, for a long time. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, a very effective, effective game. Yeah, I mean, I know we don't typically talk about, you know, how much money was spent on a game, but there are a lot of risky decisions <laughs> in this game, considering how much money Sony threw at it uh, in Naughty Dog. Um, but Jordan, how about you? What were your overall thoughts? Uh, pretty much echoing a lot of the stuff that Callie and Ed said. Very affecting, very bleak game. Thank God for the few moments of hope because I don't think I would have gotten through the game without them. Uh, also thank God for Abby because there was definitely a point around like day three of Ellie's section where I was like, I don't know if I like this game and Abby really saves it for me in the latter half. Um, I have a few qualms with the gameplay, mainly in how it can sometimes cause the pacing to kind of get a little strange near the end of the game. It can kind of make some parts that I kind of wanted to get to the next cutscene, and I spent a lot of time doing certain things that the gameplay kind of demanded that I do. 
And I wish those issues had kind of been addressed. But overall, I came away from it with a mostly positive impression of the game. Yeah, I mean, I echo you guys for the most part. Like, I, I, I agree. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I have some issues with how it's structured in the pacing. But the more I think about it, the more that the structure of this game is very important to the story it tells. Mm-hmm. I just think that this, the way it's structured doesn't seem as confident as the first game. And I think overall, uh, I think almost every aspect apart from the gameplay itself, I think the first game does better. Like the characters, the story, the way it's mm-hmm. structured, the the settings for the most part, all that stuff, uh, I, I definitely prefer in the first game, which to be fair, you know, the last of us one is probably one of my favorite games of all time. So I wasn't going into this game expecting it to top it. Um, But I overall uh, I'm very happy I played this. And one thing that I do want to mention is that this game, like it, a sequel definitely makes sense, which I know is something that a lot of people questioned before the game came out, whether or not last of us needed a sequel uh, or if it was just a good enough story by itself. But I think that this last of us part two definitely earns uh, it's its role as a sequel, its position as a sequel, I guess, however you want to say it. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it sounds like we all enjoyed it for the most part. But why don't we get more into the story here? And let's start with the first big story beat, which kind of sets everything in motion, which tore my heart out at the time, being such a fan of the first game. But it is Joel's death, which happens almost right away. And I think a lot of people watching this may have known this before the game actually came out because it was one of the many things that was leaked. How did that make y'all feel? I mean, you're talking about like how this sequel feels necessary and, you know, Joel's death is a big reason for that. It's, you know, how do you get away with the shit that you did in the first game without any consequences? And this whole game is about the consequences of your actions. Uh, And so Joel's death is obviously, uh, a very big thing that happens, a very gruesome thing that happens, something that really shook me to my core, especially in just how gory it was. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, I, it sets Ellie on her quest for revenge, which at times you can't 100% agree with because of the dangers uh, and the, all that she has to lose. Uh, but I, I get why they did it. I get why they did it. How about you guys? What do you think? Yeah, I... I wrote about the tonal whiplash in my spoiler review because like the scene before that is or like pretty close to Joel actually being beaten to death um, is Ellie and Dina like getting it on in a basement. It's like this cute weed. They're they're smoking (laughs) weed. You hear about smash Brandy's cooch or whatever, like, which I missed my first playthrough. I only saw the porn parodies my second playthrough because I was being a little bit more thorough in the beginning of the game. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, that really doesn't fit with the rest of the game. And I think this is one of the last moments of like respite before you get in to, I mean, it's the last good thing that happens before Joel dies, but it's also one of the last good things that happens in the whole game. not many of the things that happen are good. And so um, I was still reeling from that. I was like, yeah, Ellie, yeah, Dina, like you guys have been flirting forever, let's go. And then Joel died and I was just like, not even, I don't think I fully like registered it. Um, Right away I was kind of like, oh, 
that's, well, that's certainly happening in front of me. And so when I played it the second time, it had more emotional weight because I was a little more prepared for it, even though I knew it was going to happen, which maybe sounds weird, but it is a really emotional scene and watching Ellie struggle so much to try to save him is really painful. I would say my heart bleeds more so for Ellie than Joel in that moment. Like I, I am sad for Joel. I don't really want him to die so much because I do like his character from the first game, but I can also understand where Abby and her friends are coming from. Like he just, he kills a lot of people at the end of the first game. I'm like you kind of had it coming, but I'm really sad that Ellie has to watch you go through this. It, wouldn't have been better if she like hadn't been there. But the fact that she has to watch you get beaten to death is heart wrenching for me personally. And I have to admit like the entire buildup to that scene where you're switching back and forth between Ellie and Abby and you can just see their paths beginning to converge and you know, something is going to happen. Like when all the players meet together and I'm like, well, something bad's going to happen because something bad has to happen at the beginning of every revenge story. And I don't know who's going to die, what's going to happen. There's a bunch of people that I want to make out of this and I don't know who it's going to be. I think Naughty Dog does a really good job of flashing between characters enough time so that you're led all the way up to that moment, not entirely sure like who's going to die or be injured in some capacity. The tension yeah. in that opening structure is really, really good. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like the way it bounces between characters, like you were saying, I thought was super successful in that, like, I, you know, something bad. Like I just had a pit in my stomach playing that <laughs> yeah. entire time because I was like, someone's going to die. And I think it's going to be Joel. Like it couldn't be Dina. Like, I don't think, I don't think the story would have worked as well if it was Dina who got just killed. Like the bad Wade. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a part of you that fears that maybe it's a possibility that yeah. maybe deep down it's all a throwaway. Yeah, and uh, and um, I think we've talked about this before, like the marketing for this game was intentionally misleading. And I think one of the earlier trailers made it seem like Dina was the one that was going to die. So that's kind of where my head was at when I was playing that too. So it was kind of a relief. Like I was, uh, oh, Dina's safe. But also that's not, I don't want him to die either. And like, I, like, you're right, Jordan, because you're like, it could be Tommy. It could be Jesse. It could, it could be, a, they introduce a lot of different people that are close to Ellie and you don't fully understand the nature of their relationships in that opening, but you see a lot of them and you know that they have these existing relationships. So the, the question of it, of who is going to get got is definitely a, a big one. And that yeah, first, so what hour? Yeah, it's so it's obvious in retrospect. I know. Yeah, um, yeah it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny because there's a new story that just came out about Sony's uh, marketing of Spider-Man Miles Morales, and they said they don't intentionally mean to be misleading, which they totally did with The Last of Us. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy. Well, like when I demoed it uh, back in August or whenever, that, that section in the suburbs in Hillcrest, I think, when you get to the end, and you know how Jesse normally reaches and grabs Ellie and pulls her in and says, like, I wouldn't let you do this alone. When I, when I played that game, it was Joel. And originally, I think I thought Joel was going to die because the, the original trailer they released, like Joel's presence in it felt really weird. Like the way he was like, I don't know, walks into this house yeah. kind of ghostly. Mm -hmm. And Ellie's like, I'm going to kill every last one. And like a lot of people were like, Joel's dead. 
But then after I played it, after I played the the demo, I was like, nah, Joel survives. It's fine. Like, it's not him. Thank God. <laughs> but then, like you're saying, Ed, like, the more you think about it, like, this story wouldn't have worked if it was anyone else, at least as a revenge story. Because, <laughs> like, if Tommy died, I'd be like, all right, that sucks. I mean... Yeah. Like, Too I bad like for Tommy. him. Tommy doesn't die. <laughs> but, Tommy yeah. can never die. He's immortal. Yeah. No, I, I think it's so funny that they like rendered and acted a whole scene yeah. for the demo that you played, yeah. Jake, just to throw you off the scent. That's what happens when you got that Sony money, I guess. <laughs> so. so moving along, Joel's death kind of sets off this revenge quest for Ellie and she heads to Seattle with Dina. Now this is one of the things that I remember you saying you had trouble with both in your review and in the first time we recorded this, but we had to scrap that one, uh, was how you almost didn't really want to go along on this journey with Ellie Callie. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, like Jordan said, Joel kind of had it coming. Obviously it's not pleasant to watch him die and it's, it's sad. It is, it's hard having the history that we all have with that game and the history that Ellie has with Joel as a character. Um, but it's not surprising to me that someone would want to hunt him down and kill him brutally, given what he did. And I was kind of like, what if we just didn't? What if we just <laughs> what if we just stayed in Jackson? Jackson is idyllic. It is like this pastoral ideal to me. Like I want to go live in a farmhouse. I like, I love that it's just like we all do have our job that we do and we have dances and movie nights and it's like a nice little the best you could hope for after an outbreak like that has happened in this world so and and she has a new girlfriend so I'm like you have so much here and you and we learn eventually that Ellie does know the full scope of what Joel did and the truth about her immunity and the surgery and it's like you know this and you know that this is just going to be a cycle, like a vicious cycle of violence. What if you just didn't go? And so I, through Ellie's section, I increasingly was like, God, do we have to? Like, I just wanted to be like, just go to therapy, please. It's going to like, just deal with your grief like a normal person. I know you're not a normal person because you were born into an apocalypse, but like, yeah, I, I struggled not in like a, it didn't make me not want to play the game or anything. I just, it was a conflict that I had while playing. And I, I do think that it's effective because I don't think you're supposed to necessarily want to go to the lengths that Ellie's going. Um, and I think Ed brought this up when we <laughs> recorded the previous version of this. Um, so I'll let Ed talk about it. But uh, Dina is a huge reason why you want to turn back. Oh yeah, it's it's is it because she's pregnant and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah, that's what you <laughs> I didn't want to steal your point from you. <laughs> I've got the point that I made. Uh is it about uh yeah about, well, well, she's yeah. pregnant and sick. Like she's really sick. And that's the point where most people would be like, okay, okay, you know what? Let's just pack it in. Well, yeah, Dina is like kind of the better version of Ellie because there's a bit of dialogue when you, uh, you're in downtown Seattle where, where Dina's like, oh, man, if I you know, could find my sister's killers, I'd probably torture them. But, you know, she doesn't. You know, she, she keeps it all inside. She keeps it together. Um, and even though she has her own shit going on, she's looking out for others, I guess. And she's, um, you know, just being a generally good person. <laughs> and she, she, she knows her end game, uh, you know, is just to live a good life. You know, at the farmhouse at the end, 
where Ellie and uh, Dina are, are, are raising JJ, you know, she is still dealing with all the trauma from their adventure as well. You know, J- freaking Jesse got shot in the face like it was, you know, Tuesday or whatever. Um, that she has her own way of dealing things, uh, which is a lot more realistic than Ellie. But you also brought up a good point last time about, you know, Ellie being immune and she has this thing where she, you know, she had a greater purpose and she lost that. And, you know, what does that mean for her sense about what her life means and what life is all about? Yeah, we, we should clarify that there were audio issues with the previous recording, and that's why we're that's doing it fault. again. But <laughs> but um, it is not a big deal. But uh, yeah, I think, like, Jordan had brought up... Sorry we keep doing this. No, no. <laughs> Jordan brought up the really good point of, like, yeah, it doesn't really seem realistic. And to that point, I was talking about how, like, for a normal person, yes, but Ellie does have the knowledge that she's immune. And in a flashback, you see um, her going into a place with Joel that has spores and he's like masks on and she's like, why What's the point of that? Cause she's like 15 or whatever. So every 15 year old is like, but why though? And um, he's like, what if someone sees you? And she's kind of flippant because she knows it can't hurt her. So I do think there's an element of that in how far Ellie goes with things, how intensely she fights. I think she just has a little bit of an invincibility thing going on. Um, because like there's a lot in this world that can't kill her. So when I when I fully wrapped my mind around that, I came to grips a little bit more with her kind of ruthless, unrelenting desire for revenge because it's just like, what does she have left? And and also, you know, you find out that the last conversation she and Joel had was about working towards forgiveness. And I it's a reference a, that is at like the very end of the game. It's one of the, the very last yeah. scenes one of the very last scenes, but I, yeah, I, I know I'm, we're jumping around a little bit, but this is all in service of talking about this like struggle I had with Ellie kind of, um, but you find out that like that was the last conversation they had. And so it took me a couple days after playing the game to really wrap my head, my head around that. But um, I think that it was more about finding her forgiveness than revenge for Ellie is what I came away with it. Like that was more her processing the events of the last four plus years of her life. Um, so yes, it was about revenge, but it was also about like, like I kind of got the sense like I have to get revenge for Joel because that's the only way that I can forgive him for what he did. Um, yeah. And that's a lot harder to pick up on on the first first time because oh, yeah. of some of the issues we have around the structure of the game, like so much information is withheld from you that you just have to go along with this ridiculous notion that Ellie has to, travel across the country and kill a million people just just because she got you know her dad died <laughs> it's, it's a little more than that but you know what I mean. <laughs> going around the second time you have a lot more context and you're much more willing to go along and see her internal struggles as well as her rampage mm-hmm. oh, so yeah gonna... that context helps in the second playthrough i think my biggest problem with the first playthrough is you get like in a lot of revenge stories like Hamlet and Assassin's Creed 2 like a moment where like the hero has gone like so far that the story needs to provide an almost rational reason for why they decide to keep going it's like oh emotion is no longer driven them they also have like oh here's another reason why I'm doing this it'll better like some people around me and then the audience is like okay I still don't completely agree with your emotional response but you provided me another reason that I can kind of get on board with and The Last of Us Part 2 kind of 
leaves that explanation for you to the very end. So for the entire LA portion, the first time I'm playing, I'm like, I don't like any of this. You're not providing me any reason for why I should get on board with Ellie's quest other than the fact that I should feel furious that they killed Joel. And even though I am sad that they killed Joel, I'm not angry that they Mm -hmm. killed Joel. Absolutely. And I only laughed because I... Sorry, I've been trying to talk for a while. So here we go. I had a slightly different experience though, because I was like totally on board with doing this revenge story right when they killed Joel. Because like I said, I was such a big fan of the first game. I thought Joel was a fantastic character. And when they killed him, I think I stayed up till like 3 a.m. because I was like, yeah, I'm with you, Ellie. Like I know Jackson's cool, but I want to get out of here and I want to hunt down every single one of these people, including Abby, who I like freaking hated at the time. Like I really felt that anger. And it definitely gets to a point. I think like after after Ellie kills Nora, it, got, it hit a point where I was like, all right, maybe we're taking this a little too far. Like Ellie's girlfriend's, uh, uh, Dina's sick and pregnant. Like Jesse's not doing well. He went, he came all this way just for this. And I was like, I think it's time to stop now. But that's when I started to feel how you felt where this game was just like, nope, just cause you're done doesn't mean Ellie's done because <laughs> Ellie has a lot more work to do. I just wanted to say, I wasn't laughing at what you said, Jordan, because I totally agree. I just mm-hmm. loved that you listed both Hamlet and Assassin's Creed too. I, I, was, <laughs> I was scrambling for like examples of revenge stories and like Hamlet's like the go-to literary yeah. one. I'm like, I should come up with an actual <laughs> video game yeah. example. I just, I love that. That was very Jordan. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like, Jake, when was the last time you played the original Last of Us? Because it has been since launch for me. So I played a year ago, and I've also yeah. played the original Last of Us probably half a dozen times, like yeah. on multiple difficulties. Uh, like I've said it before on GameSpot After Dark and whatnot, but like that game is why I wanted to write about video games and make videos about video games is because that game had such a profound impact on me. Yeah, so I think that like given your history, it makes a lot more sense that that you bought into it and. I, I mean, the the interesting, like the cool thing about it is I think we've all, after some time with this game, we've all approached the same conclusion about it near, nearly. We have varying issues and, and varying interpretations, but like even with without that attachment that Jake has, like I still came around, to, like I fully understood the context of that revenge when all was said and done. So I think that is a strength of the story ultimately once it's over, despite some of the storytelling issues and especially upon starting a second playthrough and you have more of that context. It it definitely sweeps you up the first time. It it is Mm -hmm. very emotional. The production value is off the chain and it's the, the drama is really engrossing. Uh, So it's, it, it makes, it's very easy to, lose your shit as I did many times like when Joel got killed and when they made you play Abby uh I was furious um but you know in retrospect it's yeah it's interesting that we all come to the similar feeling about it yeah and before we move on to Abby I do want to talk about some of the flashbacks because uh you're saying like one of the few good parts in this or happy sections is early on um but there are a couple more but they're flashbacks and the one that I that stands out most is when they go to the museum, um, when Joel takes to the museum, which like all the flashbacks I thought were great little vignette scenes. So and right. it made me wish, mm-hmm. like, huh, I kind of wish like there was a direct sequel to 
Yeah. Like, I, I want to play more you know, of those something scenes. Something in between. Yeah. yeah. I want to play a lot more of those scenes. <laughs> I I just finished a playthrough of uh, Remastered and uh, Left Behind uh, before my second playthrough of the game. So I finished that first, finished Last of Us Part 2 first, then went back from the start. And it's it was such, such a bummer to see that young, uh, playful, innocent, jovial Ellie making puns and all that kind of stuff go away in two so suddenly. And it is super nice to go back to that and remember that, oh, she, she did used to be really cool to be around. She, uh, you know, a beam of positivity and, you know, radiant energy. And oh, she's so good. This is bit, I don't know if you guys went to the bathroom of the museum where you can just like pull faces. Yeah. No. Uh, it's so good. She's just, she, you can make her do this cheesy grin. And it's just, it's just, it seems like a completely different person. It's, and it makes, it makes it all more sad, I guess. Yeah. Or and like that's, Oh, sorry. You know, go ahead. I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, like, that's that's the effect of that's that's Joel's impact on her, right? Like, like Joel kind of enabled both sides of Ellie. Like, bringing her to the museum is is him bringing out that that good side, but like his actions are have directly resulted in the the dark Ellie that we see in part two. But I, I wanted to say that I was describing the museum scene to my dad yesterday and I almost started crying <laughs> because it, it did remind me of like, uh, cause I was telling him about like the, the space stuff and how he worked really hard to get a recording of the moon landing or whatever. And like, I was just talking that that that's very much the dynamic I had with my dad when I was, uh, you know, an early teenager. So I was like, oh, no, I've been bottling up these emotions and they're coming out now. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just going to say that another like great little, I don't know, optional thing you can do in that museum scene is you you, you can put a, put a hat on as Ellie. But if you find another hat, you can. Ellie will make Joel wear it and he'll be like, I'm not wearing a hat. And you can like keep pressing him and eventually he'll wear the hat. And I just really like that scene. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like, even though Joel did all these terrible things, he also did kind of foster that, that happier side of Ellie, which kind of disappears when he dies. And I have to shout out my favorite scene when she sits in the office chair and says, oh, hello. No, all the dinosaurs are busy right now. Oh, it is one. <laughs> oh, so it's crazy that all of that is, is optional. You can miss all of that. It's, you know, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. speaking of optional stuff too, something we kind of skipped is the scene in Seattle at the music store in downtown uh, where, you, you, I mean, it's tough to miss. And we talked about it a little bit last time was how well designed these levels are. And that, especially that open area, and that it it like does a very good job of making sure you go to all the points of interest. Mm-hmm. But that spot in particular, Ellie plays guitar and she plays a little bit of a Pearl Jam song, but stops and ends up playing uh, "Take on Me," uh, which I thought was like another great scene, which you know some people might miss. Yeah, and that's another thing that Joel imparted to Ellie is uh, guitar playing, which we'll we'll talk about more when we <laughs> yeah. get to the end. But <laughs> oh my God. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, this is kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about like the last bits of happiness and respite. And I think that open area when you're in downtown Seattle is really the, it's, it is a moment of respite. There's a lot to explore. There's no human enemies. Um, You just get to kind of get to know Dina more, like talking to Dina in the synagogue about her family. Um, I loved exploring that bank where they were robbing the bank on outbreak day because they're dumb. 
there's just a lot of good in that open area and I, and I really do wish that there was a little bit more of that because I think the rest that there, there are somewhat open areas like that, but um, not nearly to that level. Mm-hmm. And um, it is really an accomplishment how the game kind of organically leads you through the map interface from point of interest to point of interest. So it's yeah, Dog is so good at that. Yeah. yeah. Just like the, the, oh. Just like the date in Lost Legacy, like that open area was mm-hmm. the highlight of mm-hmm. that game too. And, it's, and it, it must take a lot of work because they should have done more of them, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jordan. Oh, no, I, I was just saying like, it's basically a date. The game gives you an opportunity to, if you want to, as quickly as possible, just kind of speed through that area. But you, over time, just you talking to Dean and you're like, I want to hear more. And if I want to hear more, then I got to do more exploring to like get more conversations to... Sorry, and it's like a really clever way of getting you to want to care about a person and ask them about who they are and learn about them and make you care about them. And when I first played it, I was very worried. I'm like, this is leading to Dina somehow, some way being killed later in the game because they want me to care about her, which I'm very happy that they didn't go back and do it. But I thought it was a really nice way of making you care about this new character where they're like, look, we advertised that this was going to be another Ellie Joel story. Joel's gone. Ellie now has this new partner. We're going to give you a chance to fall in love with her before just jumping straight into like the main gritty aspect of this story. Yeah. Pregnancy. (laughs) And pregnancy. The true horror. You got to have a date before the pregnancy card comes out. Yeah. I love that line when she says, don't worry, it's not yours. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, well, moving on to probably the big pivotal moment in this game when the game kind of switches protagonists on you. And now you've you've already played as Abby up till this point a couple times, but basically right when Abby knocks on the door of the movie theater, shoots Jesse in the head very unceremoniously. You know, he <laughs> runs out the door. He deserves dies. so much better. I know. <laughs> and that's like it. That's just the end of his character. Uh, and then... Um, Tommy gets wounded, but then before Ellie and Abby face off, we get a three-day detour from from Abby's perspective and what she's been doing while Ellie's been on this revenge quest. What do you guys think of this section? I know based on early conversations, everyone really liked this, but I know Ed and I particularly had some mixed feelings when we started playing as Abby. Yeah, it was late at night. Abby had just killed Jesse my favorite character. Uh, and then it, it, it switched to the, the flashback of her uh, at the park where she, you know, discovers that her dad got shot in the face by Joel, um, which I was like, okay, I, I get it. I see what you're doing here. And then it switches back to present day and you start playing as Abby and then you start picking up pills as her. And I was so pissed. It, I was so, I was still reeling from the anger. Uh, and I, I guess that's what they want you to feel. Like they want you to have to have to dwell in Abby's mind for, you know, as long as you do Ellie. Um, but I, you know, obviously I love that bit. And I think it's one of the strongest parts of the game. Um, but, but I can't forget how angry it made me feel. And it was very effective in that sense. Um, they got me. They got me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt the same way when, when that switch happened, I was like, Oh no, this is going to be three days. Of her. I don't care what, she did yeah. like i'm still gonna hate her like she killed joel but exactly you know 
like you, I got got to and eventually came around on her. And then not only that, like replaying it, I've replayed it almost three times now. And it's definitely my favorite part of the game. Like that section, I think, is the strongest part of the game. And Cal, you touched on your review saying that like Abby's section is what ties this game together. Without that, this game would have been very different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I will say I kind of had the same, not like, oh, I'm going to hate Abby, but when I realized that I had a whole new set of skill trees and all of my weapons were unupgraded and I didn't have any scopes or anything, I was like, God damn it. Um, <laughs> so that that does, it's a little bit of a hitch when you get there. I think Phil Hornshaw messaged me. And he's like, do I really have to play this whole game again as as Abby? And I was like, you'll see. But, because uh, I was a little bit ahead of him. But um, yeah, I, I do think that, I mean, you, the thing about Abby's section is there's a lot you don't know about her. You don't know why she's done what she's done yet. You, you have an inkling, but you don't know exactly why. Um, you don't know anything about her relationships besides, I, like at the beginning, she has this weird interaction with Owen uh, where she's like, are you breaking up with Mel? And he was like, he said no. And then like said something about like, like, her wanting like oh do you still want something some or something like that. he doesn't say that but he says something like that she's like no I've had my fill and I was like what is the history there <laughs> oh my god the intrigue so um I was curious to know more about that their relationship in particular um and you have that added tension of knowing that in three days pretty much everybody she cares about will be dead yeah. and so um I thought that was really interesting and I found that I, I, I gen generally really like storytelling where I know certain things that are going to happen and there's, you know, the dramatic irony of it, speaking of Shakespeare, but um, I, yeah, so I think that was really interesting. I mean, it basically starts you off by uh, making you play fetch with a dog you kill as Ellie. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought at first I was like, this is a bit much. Okay. Like I bear is innocent in all of this, but, um, you know, you, like Owen, I was dreaded. I knowing Owen was going to die. I was so upset because you see the depth of their connection. And I was like, Oh, like, I don't want you to, I wish, I wish I could stop this from happening. Like I wish that I had some control. Maybe it's me liking RPGs and liking character choice or player choice, but I was just like, I wish I could prevent Ellie from killing Owen and his pregnant girlfriend, but I can't. So I thought that made um, the things we do learn about Abby, in addition to all the things we know about Abby, really uh, fascinating. It's a bold choice to basically start you over from the beginning of a brand new game halfway through a game like it takes I want to say 10 to 12 hours like to get to that point which is almost the length of the very first last of us so it feels yeah. like you're getting to the end and then all of a sudden the game's like oh nah like you got to go through that again from the other side and it's like Jake said it's a little frustrating uh to start over right from the beginning all over again but I mean, she comes around on me. On me, yeah. Abby is Abby saves this game for me. If this had just been Ellie's story all the way through, I I would not like this game. Mm -hmm. uh, even with the stuff that we learn about Ellie at the very end, I still would not have liked this game. It's Abby's foil and her growth that saves this game for me. 
Yeah, it's not just about humanizing all the crap that Ellie does. It's just Abby is just such a great, complex and nuanced character. Like, like, especially coming off of Ellie, who's just like, kill, 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 gotta, gotta avenge Joel, <laughs> screw Dina, whatever, she's a burden on my, <laughs> in my side. Uh, and just seeing, you know, you know Abby's nuanced uh, relationship with Owen, which is something I've never seen in a AAA game before. Uh, it, I'm really glad they did it, you know? It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Who could have expected that? Not me. <laughs> yeah, not me either, I guess. The people who saw the spoilers, they probably expect it, but... Yeah, but well, um, they got a lot wrong about Abby. If, that's true. If my understanding is yeah. correct. They yeah. did. Um, but, like, one thing I do want to add, one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Abby meets Owen in his boat, and she's telling him to grow up, and he says, he says, how do I grow up, Abby? Do I just hunt down the people who killed my family and kill them. And I thought that was such a, I don't, I don't know if I'd say like a profound line, but like for me, it just hit me. I was like, oh yeah, what Ellie's going through, literally everyone in this world probably has had to deal with Dina included, right? Mm-hmm. But Ellie is Ellie and Abby are the only two people, at least in this story, that are going through these length, lengths just to kill people and just mm-hmm. to like get this I don't know, just to fulfill their revenge fantasy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's also a huge turning point for Abby too, because the slightly before that you meet Lev and Yara, who are two Seraphites who save Abby. Um, and originally she helps them and leaves and just like, uh, it's not my problem. You guys can deal with it. But I think after that conversation, that's really what kind of like changes something in her where she's like, all right, I'm going to go back and I'm going to help these people. And like from that point on is when I was like totally sold on Abby's story. I was like, all right, I'm way more invested in this than, than Ellie's entire half um, for the most part. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's it's so interesting. Like somebody pointed out, I I forget who it was. Maybe it was Evan um, that, Ellie's day one or like when you start the game that's not her Seattle day one it's like right before she's going on mm-hmm. the patrol it starts with Jesse waking her up and uh, Abby's day one starts with her being woken up mm-hmm. by somebody and there are so many they might even seem a little too obvious so many like literary foil aspects to Abby's character but the interesting thing about the way it's done is that Abby is further along in her journey than Ellie so Abby's already gotten her revenge so what we're seeing on Ellie's side is Abby's journey before it happened right before Joel died um and what we see with Abby is what could happen to Ellie after like here's what a redemption path looks like for both of these women and we're getting that through Abby's perspective um, and we don't know if Ellie will make those kinds of choices when we get to see them through Abby. And I thought that was really well done, that push and pull there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then that, you know, that cycle of violence continues, though, after Ellie kills all of Abby's friends. Then Abby shows up and kills one of Ellie's friends. And then you have this, I found it a very difficult scene to play where you're playing as Abby trying to kill Ellie but before we get to that actually I do want to talk about this Resident Evil boss because I remember we did talk a lot about that before and it's something I do want to talk about because I remember Jordan brought it up last time and I think all of us kind of like it that that boss was out of place and did not need to be there 
Like, I think it's creepy. I think that whole hospital, like, setup is, like, this really creepy, has this great tone and setting where it's, like, you're going into this place where you should not go. Like, this is a ground zero moment. All the oldest infected are here. So at the very minimum, there are just a bunch of clickers, and there's probably worse. And then they just kind of drop this weird action scene at the very end of it. It just feels like such a strange tonal shift that I'm not quite sure what Naughty Dog was going for in that moment. I just know I really didn't like it. (laughs) I mean, obviously, Abby is incredibly buff. Uh, She's very capable, plays (laughs) completely different to Joel. And I I guess they... uh, Sorry, yes, to to, to Ellie. She plays a lot like Joel. She has shivs, you know. She she has a pistol, has one shot, which is great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, I think, I guess that point of the game is them wanting to show us how powerful Abby is. She can take down this huge monstrosity. Um, this huge Resident Evil monstrosity. There's actually there's a there's a point in Resident Evil Five where Chris Redfield just punches a huge boulder, and that's just like, <laughs> look how powerful Chris Redfield is. And you know, this is, this like is Abby's, Abby's moment. moment. This is Abby's moment. <laughs> this is her hulking out and going to nine thousand, and everyone <laughs> like yeah, should I, be afraid of you. I was gonna say, like, I at first I was I I wish she just ran through that area like you saw mm-hmm. and just ran away from it. But then, like, after hearing you say that, it's like, I guess it does kind of make more sense for Abby's character to be like, all right, I'm just going to square up with this thing. I'm not going to try to run from it, which I appreciate, but I don't think it makes up for the fact that that boss fight's not very fun. And especially I was playing on Survivor and I was like banging my head against the wall because it was like I was waiting for supplies to respawn because I just simply didn't have enough and like it would rush me and I'd die instantly. Like I just get tapped and die and it's frustrating. Yeah. The fact that uh, supplies can respawn in that section at all, it just doesn't make any sense. It's so at odds with the rest of the game. And I I think it's pretty well established that, that Abby is extremely strong. Like, like, you don't see female characters with that body type in, in video games ever, unless it's like a fighting game. And that woman is wearing like panties though. So like it doesn't, it's not the same. Um, and like the first time you see her, she's wearing this tight Henley that like shows her muscles. And uh, the when when you first play her at the beginning of the game, she's beating infected to death with her fists. So I think it's very well established. I mean, unlike Ellie, she doesn't have a knife, right? She has shivs, which we're all like, shivs, no. But um, she can choke people out and Ellie can't yeah. do that. And so like, there is that distinction. So like- yeah, that but I was so that was when I tr- like that was the only time in the game where I got so frustrated that I I yelled at the TV. I fucking hate this. <laughs> like the last time we talked, I said like I there because I started that boss fight at like eleven thirty at night, and after like an hour and a half of just playing it over and over again, I just looked at my phone. I'm like, I wonder if Jake, Phil, or Callie like is still awake because I want to text someone and ask like maybe I'm doing something wrong because the battlefield's not telling me how I'm supposed to be fighting this boss, and maybe I'm just stupid and I can't figure <laughs> out like what's supposed to happen. You're not stupid. <laughs> so now let's bring it back to that face that first face off against Ellie and Abby in the theater how did that make you guys feel because I for one was definitely that was such a weird scene because it's like I don't want to kill Ellie but I'm also pissed at Ellie but also like can't we just all not fight 
<laughs> I was, was the persuade button. I know. <laughs> I was terrified. I was so worried. I mean, I said in my review that like by the time I got to the end of Abby's section, I was more concerned with Abby's safety. I was more attached to Abby than I was to Ellie. And it's because of, you know, and how Dina's far. Too. And, mm. and yes, especially Dina's safety. I love Dina. Um, we didn't, we, we don't have time to like talk about her too much. I, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit, but like, um, so I, I, I wanted, I didn't want Abby to die and I didn't want to kill Ellie. And I was just the whole time I was like, there's gotta be another way. I can't, I can't dig this. I love so, that phrase that I don't want Abby to die and I don't want to kill Ellie. Like, I'm okay <laughs> with Ellie dying. I just don't want to be the one who does it. <laughs> for, for the record, one of the leaks that got out was that Abby kills Ellie. Um, yeah. which as we know and if you're watching this does not happen there is mm-hmm. more to it after that there's actually quite a bit of the game to it after that but i think that is also like a very pivotal moment where abby doesn't kill ellie yeah. even though she's about to and it's partly because uh lev is like what are you doing and like that that's the moment where she's just like mm-hmm. i gotta stop this and she just like i don't want to see you again and walks out and that scene was like such a release, I guess, because it's like, I was so tense. I was like, I don't want anyone to die. I, and I, it was like, Ellie's dead. Like that's, that's all I can see happening here. And when that happened, it was just like a huge sigh of relief. That, yeah, that and- bit, that, sorry, that bit where she's got Dina in a chokehold and yeah. she's With like, knife to her throat. <laughs> she's like, she's pregnant. That's good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's fucking insane. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was still sad about Jesse. I was sad about Jesse the whole time. I was just like, Jesse, yeah. no. But um, Lev really is Abby's moral compass. And like you said, Jake, like her saving Lev and Yara and going back to help them is really what, it's where it, it, it changed for you, like where your perspective shifted. And Lev is really such a, a good character because he he has a perspective that nobody else in the game has. Um, and for being a Seraphite and for Abby, that meant actually finding her a way to redeem herself. So I did, I did think it made a lot of sense when that happened, but the thing about it is I don't, I, I knew it had to continue cause I knew it couldn't end there, but I was like, Ellie, you killed a pregnant woman. Not even like, like that baby was about to come out like a pregnant woman. And she was like shell shocked afterwards and like the sound cuts out and stuff. And then, and she's like, don't kill my pregnant girlfriend. And then, but like, is that, that's not where she's like, I should never kill again. She's like, well, better keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean, the game does keep going. Then there's a scene at the farmhouse, which we talked about earlier where Ellie is still kind of getting flashbacks in uh, like PTSD from Joel's Mm -hmm. death. And Tommy shows up and is like, hey, I found her. She's in Santa Barbara. And then, like, even though... By the way, I, Tommy, like, Tommy's alive, which is crazy. It's yeah, crazy that also confused madness. me, too. Fucking hell. Because he gets shot in the knee and then shot, I guess, very close to the face. Maybe, like, yeah. grazed his yeah. eye or something. Because... I thought he was he's dead for sure. Someone in like a post-apocalypse survived long enough to get medical treatment yeah. to fix that. I know. <laughs> I mean, all they needed is alcohol and a rag, and they wrap it around the arm. And that's, good. That's, that's all you need. I mean, shouldn't be that surprised, Jordan. Yeah, like, like without a horse, 
How did Ellie manage to get a severely sick Dina and a severely injured Tommy back to Jackson, Wyoming from that's, Seattle? That's what the DLC is going to be about. Too or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, her arm's broken. Yeah. <laughs> no horse. And nothing. they make it back. Like, they're still infected around. There's probably other human survivors they had to contend with. And I'm like, there's a whole nother, like, section of game that they yeah. just had to gloss over to this into 30 hours. DLC. <laughs> just, like, left behind, it'll be DLC where they fill nope. in, like, everyone will be like, this is a big plot hole. And they'll be like, well, don't worry. We got DLC that <laughs> fixes that. There'll be a right nice up. photo booth. You can get a photo of all of them together. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I think I kind of know how everyone feels, but like, right when you get to Santa Barbara, like that was, that was for sure. If you weren't, if if you were still on board with Ellie's journey up to this point, when she gets to Santa Barbara, if you're still on board with it, I don't know. I don't know how you're still playing. Like I, I cannot fathom There's that. There's no because, rationale at that point. Yeah. No. <laughs> Her life is so perfect. She's I got know. a good haircut now. She's got a great haircut. She lives in a farmhouse i just can't emphasize enough how much of a dream that is for me she lives in a farmhouse with her girlfriend and their their baby she has a family she like they have sheep they got they all sorts of shit and it's sunset and it's all beautiful and it's like of course it can't end here because it's happy now (laughs) but that's when i was like are you fucking kidding me and that's what i mean about like that that's it's not just about the revenge for her because she did in a sense, get revenge on Abby already. She's killed everybody that, that Abby cares about except for Lev. And she doesn't know who Lev is. So that doesn't matter. It, this Santa Barbara trip is only there because she needs to have a memory of Joel. That is not him getting his face beat in and she needs to forgive him for everything he's done. And that's, I was really angry with her leaving Dina and going to Santa Barbara. And like I said, it took me, several days to like get that perspective and that's that is what i think the rationale for the santa barbara section is is that that part's about forgiveness and not revenge yeah i mean i guess go ahead oh i'll I'll throw it to you in a second i was just gonna say i guess a way to rephrase this would be not how does it make you feel but do you think it makes sense do you think her decision to go to santa barbara now that you've sat with it a little bit like makes sense does that seem rational And, and i know like kind of no because she had a perfect life but at the same time given ellie's character up until this point like were you able to buy that i can i don't like it but i can buy the decision for ellie to go to santa barbara i don't like the decision that she made but i can buy into why she does what she does i did find it uh rather interesting that they they do flash between uh, both Abby and Ellie for the Santa Barbara section, but they flash over it in a way where you skip whatever must have occurred with Abby, that she goes from threatening Ellie that she would kill her the next time she sees her to that the next time they actually do meet face-to-face, Abby is just like, look, I just want to pack it up and go home and like go our separate ways. Like We don't have to do this. It's Ellie that has to... Mm-hmm. instigate the fight and so we never finally see that like final forgiveness for ellie like the game has to basically trick us into thinking that both women are still angry at one another all the way up to them meeting each other again well yeah i mean i kind of 
Like I didn't think Abby was angry with Ellie at that point. I just thought she was so beaten and bloodied and like, just didn't care. She was like, I like, there's no way I can fight right now. I don't want to fight. Like this is all like, I- I'm sure if she was feeling better. I'm sure she would have been ready to throw down with Ellie, but I kind of just got the impression that she was very much like, I can't do this right now. I want to try to move on. She was not feeling better, dude. She was, yeah. she'd been <laughs> freaking crucified for God knows how long. I know, well, that's what Sunburn. I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if, if she wasn't in that situation, I feel like maybe she would have been more ready to fight, but because yeah, she was sure. like dying, she was like, no. And well, you know she it, has she has left to care about now as well, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. She like, has she has her own little Ellie to take care of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so much <laughs> more Ellie. <laughs> little Ellie. It's so much more about Lev. Like they're both dying, right? They've been tortured. I think they were in the Rattler prison camp for what two months before Ellie shows up. Or something I think like that's that. what a character says. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like she's been broken probably by these. Um, slave trader people um so i i think there was enough that we didn't need to see that i i i did kind of get it and i do think that lev had that that the fact that lev was the one to be like abby don't at the end of the like theater sequence does help bridge that gap but yeah i i wish i had seen a little bit of a little bit more of of uh, abby in santa barbara but um i i do like that you say it loves a little Ellie, Ed, because I do think eventually Abby becomes a Joel foil more than Mm -hmm. an Ellie foil at that tail end. And that that is further context. Like, I just want to (laughs) protect this kid. That's all I have. Um, And I I do like the way that's flipped on its head a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that leads up to the final fight, which is brutal. Ellie threatens to kill Lev if Abby doesn't fight her. And then you have this pretty intense fight that's just like, I don't know, the the two women who are like beaten and bruised and dying, like trying their best to kill each other, but not, I don't know. It's it, it's tough to play. It's another scene that I found very tough to play. <laughs> it's so bloody. Like yeah. the fact that cut marks only appear on Abby as you slice like in those places. Like it's not like this random thing where, oh, you've done enough damage to Abby. She's starting to look injured. It's like, no, we're going to show you the consequences of your action. Something that we've spared you from because most of the horrific deaths before this have been in cutscenes. But now you're actually going to go through the process of essentially beating someone to death which was a horrific experience to go through, even in just a video game setting. Yeah, and like by that point, we're all like, Ellie, don't do it. So like to be <laughs> yeah. playing to be playing Ellie in that moment, it, it's, it's interesting because you've already been Abby in that moment at a much, at the peak of their like, you know, hatred for each other. Yeah, their beef. But to be Ellie in that moment and to be like, no, after everything we've been through, you can't do this. Um, made that all the more difficult to do. And um, this was another thing that I didn't fully understand until I thought about the game for like a week, um, which was why she, why Ellie stopped. Um, Cause she stops like right about when Abby bites her fingers off. Yeah. 
and she has this, drowning Abby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's dr- like she, her, Abby has bitten her fingers off, and she's drowning her. And she has this flash of Joel playing guitar, and that's the first memory we see of Joel in a while. That's not him getting his face beaten in. Um, and so it took me like a week to be like, oh, that's when she forgave. That's when she was done. And I don't think you fully get the effect of that until she goes back to the farmhouse and tries to play guitar and can't. And it's like, oh, she's realized that she she really has lost everything by by now, um, including the the good the good things about Joel. Um, the gift that Joel gave to her. Yeah. It- it's rough, buddy. Yeah, seriously. One of the few things that one of the few positive memories was them was him teaching her guitar. She can't do it anymore. And like, there's even that line on the at the farmhouse where she has JJ on the tractor, and she's like, "When you're not pooping yourself anymore, I'm going to teach you how to play guitar." And like playing it a second time, that definitely hit a lot harder than it did the first mm-hmm. time. Obviously, because I didn't know what was going to happen. But man, I think like just in general, like the second playthrough I enjoyed a lot more it was still brutal and tough to get through but just with all that context context and knowing what the what the pacing and plot was going to be like it was much easier for me to appreciate the game as a whole I think I do want to talk a little bit about um the Seraphites as a group because I think um when the last time we recorded this, I think Jordan brought up a really good point. And I, I'm thinking of it of this because of Lev. And I did want to talk about Lev's character and about how being a trans boy, I think that was handled really well by the game. Um, I think I really like the scene where you hear somebody dead name him and uh he says to Abby, Did you hear what they called me? And Abby says, Yes. Uh and he says, Do you want to ask me about it? And Abby says, do you want me to ask you about it? And he says, no. And that's, it's just dropped. Abby never presses it again. I was like, wow, Abby's pretty woke for somebody who's just in the military <laughs> apocalypse <laughs> complex. Like, a day ago was ready to kill every single scar yeah. in her way. Yep. <laughs> but, um, and I, I think that, you know, for all of the vilification that the Seraphites get throughout the game, um, you really see the, like, Lev's Lev's community is very intolerant of this aspect of him, but um, he has a lot of wisdom with regard to other things. And I, the thing that really got me was fighting the Seraphites at the end of Abby's section where I was like, whoa, we're, this is a lot. And I, I'm just killing people left and right. And and that's what I meant when I talked about violence going unexamined is that a lot of those people, even though they have names and they cry out when you kill their friends and all of that, there's not really consequences for those people dying. Like their families don't come and try to kill you. You know, they, there's no, there's nothing it's extra a, to that for me. It's especially weird in that moment because at that point in the game as Abby, like she has, uh, you know, more or less redeemed herself and you kind of don't want to keep mindlessly killing as Abby and for the game not to let you just leave it be, like have the option to just leave it be and just, you know, ghost them or whatever is is, is a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, this is something we talked about with just the factions in general and justifying the violence and, um, you know, WLF gets the benefit of having the other side of the story told that then there's a whole section with the Seraphites, which 
doesn't really get the same treatment. Then you have the, the rattlesnakes, the rattlers, sorry, who are just like <laughs> outright bad slavers and yeah. have nothing else going for them at all. Um, which, yeah, it, so it kind of drops the ball in that sense for sure. Yeah. The rattlers were like just so evil. Like they're like, yeah, yeah. We, we capture <laughs> infected and chain them up and like treat Torture them as animals. Them. And, yeah. and, and like we lock people up in cages and don't feed them. And if they <laughs> do one bad thing, we hang them on a post and, it, it was we almost willingly like, infect them too. Like yeah, there's one person who's like, them. if you try to escape again, I'm going to like send you into a room with an infect. I'm like, that's really fucked up, man. Like, yeah, and, and like, even though the game may not be as successful in humanizing the seraphites as it does with WF, it at least tries. Well, with like the rattlers, it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah. yep, they're they're here. They're just they're in your way, so you can get. They're here just so they can have captured Abby and so you could kill these people to get to Abby. Yeah, they, they are much more a, a device than anything else. And, and yeah. I, I do think, and I, I want to be able to hear Jordan's point again about the Seraphites. <laughs> yeah, so I'll too. swing it to Jordan. But the last <laughs> thing I want to say is that my issue is more kind of to Ed's point about like there's no, it's, it doesn't really fit Abby's character development at that point for her to be killing so much so late in in her section so day three was when i was kind of like oh i wish i had i wish i could just kind of escape instead of getting into fights i don't know why there has to be combat here because it 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 fits the story that it makes sense that the wlf is planning this this attack to coincide with the storm but um it it just doesn't quite mesh with abby's characterization and, and that was my issue uh and that was one of the bigger missteps but yes take it away jordan <laughs> I, I sorry I, I just do want to say that uh you i i'm sure people are going to find ways to get through those sections without killing it people and be like oh you guys are wrong you can do it without it because i think tomorrow in fact is going to try to do a like don't kill anyone yeah, like, but the uh, game encourages you to... the game encourages it but like for me personally playing on a harder difficulty, like a lot of those combat situa- situations, I only killed the people who were like directly in my way. And I know mm-hmm. your review, you made a point that like, if there's all these collectibles that encourage you to kill people so you can loot them. But like, from my point of view, from my experience, like I wasn't just like, all right, we're gonna like stack up the bodies here. It was like, there's two people that are in my way to get to this horse. So I'm gonna kill them and just run <laughs> because that's all I have the amp. That's all I can afford to do right now. Yeah, that's true. God bless you, Callie. Uh, you keep reminding us of all these points that we made, and I just had I completely forgotten that I had made that point at all in the previous conversation. So thank you for having a much better memory than me. But, <laughs> um, but I think a huge part of why I like Abby's section a lot more than Ellie's section is that we get to go through the transformation that Abby has with her. Whereas Ellie's story is kind of like mixed match. There's a lot of like bouncing back and forth in timeline. We don't really know what she knows. So our growth with her is kind of splintered, but with Abby, we kind of get this introduction where after playing as Ellie and we've killed these people that we've only just referred to as scars up to this point. And they're like, Oh, scars are the bad guys. The wolves don't like scars. I'm like, I can get on board with this. I've, encountered them several times and they've attacked me the very first chance that I saw them. So yeah, let's, let's fuck them up. Let's go after them. Let's kill them. And so you're on board with everyone in the wolf community, just kind of bad mouthing the scars, even though they're not called the scars, you've picked up plenty of notes prior to that saying that they're called the Seraphites, but 
since they scar their face, you just keep calling them scars. And then you kind of have this moment of realization that they are more than just this negative stereotype that you had of them when you actually get to meet two of them in person and get to know their culture and kind of find out this blatantly Christian-like origin that they have and their society and their culture. And you realize that they're more than just the few violent ones that you've encountered. And there's this awesome line from Lev where he's like, oh yeah, we have all these rules about peace and stuff like that. And Abby's like, well, why do all the people attack? And he's like, oh, soldiers don't have to follow the rules. And it's this kind of eye-opening moment for Abby where she realizes that she's been prejudiced against the Seraphites this entire time. And Lev has to constantly keep reminding her to refer to them as that. And you as the player realize that you have also been persecuting against this people and that you have also been this kind of asshole type and just killing them whenever they show up. And so you kind of go through that transformation with Abby and you go through that redemption arc, so to speak, with Abby. And it feels a little bit more real and it feels a little bit more powerful. And I will say for that moment where you do go for the Seraphites Island, I had a different interpretation of it in the sense that when you first get there, there's this moment of like a lot of stealth. You're just trying to get through the village that you can get to Lev and bring him home. And it's significantly easier to get through that portion of the story like without the killing field area right? yeah that like is, that yeah. spot like it's it's much easier to get through that and then it's only after that you have that encounter with the wolves and abby kind of has mm-hmm. to pick a side and be like no lev is my people that for me i'm like lev is my people too and even though i don't want to kill the people in my way i will kill all the people in my way to make sure that this pure boy can get off of this island and it's one of the few moments in the game where kind of like as you said Kelly, the game tries to make you kind of humanize these characters by giving them names and doesn't really work but it was the first moment where i was like i don't really want to kill all the seraphites in my way i don't want to really kill all the wolves in my way but i am going to do it because i want to get through this so it was actually for me like the first point in the game where what last of us part two was trying to do like actually worked for me Yeah, I I think one of the points that I really like that you brought up is it's very well established that they're called Seraphites. You've been picking up notes for hours where they refer to themselves as Seraphites and you can like go to their shrines. And I kind of felt weird picking up the notes from the shrines because I was like, I should probably leave that there. Um, but <laughs> Gotta get all those collectibles though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And yeah, the fact that Ellie's backpack is unzipped and can def is like everything in there is soaked. It stresses me out so much. Um, but I remember texting Jake something like, oh, I'm in the scar section. Like you, you, you as the player are kind of trained to dislike them. I disliked them for a while because I was like cult shit in an apocalypse is hokey and I don't like it. Um, but I do think that that feeling went away for me for sure. But you're kind of predisposed to dislike them. Um, and hearing Lev assert like, no, Seraphites, that is what we're called, fits so well with his character too, because his character is about asserting his identity. So um, I think there's a lot of good with the Seraphites and through Lev and Yara, they become humanized. 
Um, yeah, I, I think my bigger issue with the, the, vi the violence against like in regular combat scenarios is just that there's this whole theme of like cycles of violence and consequence, but mm -hmm. these people aren't significant enough to provide big consequences. Um, so it just kind of felt like what the game was trying to do didn't hit for me for a lot of that. Um, but I think the story is, is and like the, the characters are, are so good and make that very worthwhile to me anyway. Um, I was gonna say one more thing about either Lev or the Seraphite, <laughs> but I don't remember. Oh, I just wanted to say uh, to hit Jake's point about the collectibles. I did feel, it wasn't just collectibles, it was also loot. And part of that is just me being a player that I wanna have as much loot as possible. I wanna pick up everything. That really did incentivize me to kill everybody in an area. Um, just because it's much safer to loot when they are dead. And um, I, I was playing on hard, so it wasn't like, you know, like it was super easy to do or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I just found that to slow my pace a lot. And I, I became very irritated with the looting eventually. I'm looking forward to replaying this game after I have all the collectibles and I don't care to look for the collectibles and I can just play how I want to play every combat encounter. You still gotta find crafting materials and mm -hmm. submachine gun ammo and all that kind of stuff, which is a bit of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Although because there's so many difficulty and accessibility options, you can tweak the difficulty and have like <laughs> super high resources and then make the combat hard. So you could play at a hard difficulty and then be like, well, I don't have to loot as much because I turned up the resource uh, pickup. So you could do that, which I think is really cool. Um, and I also think one thing we should note is that the collectibles are worth getting, like especially the notes. I really like the world building in those notes. And so it's not a matter of like, we're just obsessive trying to get the plat and mm -hmm. like, that's why we're getting the collectibles. I think there is an incentive to get them. And that's what I mean about the video gamey aspects, not always gelling with the story. Yeah, totally. I mean, even like you pointed out in your review how it's like, seems so trivial that Ellie's trying to find trading cards throughout this but like even those i still enjoyed collecting and reading like this stuff about him even though yeah i totally agree with you and it's like why does ellie care like why would ellie care about this right now but you know i still cared and i'd still kill an entire group of people just so i could you know poke my head around try to find a dumb card <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we've been going on for quite a while but before we end do you guys have any closing remarks anything you want to add uh, all of the Asian characters in this game are pure and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Vita Girl had gotten an actual name other than just Vita Girl. It's Whitney. Did Whitney. Whitney. Yeah. Why Whitney. is she just called Vita Girl in the credits? That doesn't make sense. I know it's sense. weird because there's a conversation that you can have with her as Abby. And she's like, hey, Whitney, what's up? And like, so it's yeah. so weird that in the credits, it's just Vita Girl. <laughs> they, they're, they're being prejudiced against Vita owners. <laughs> Uh, my final statement is very similar to Ed in that I think all the women are fantastic characters. I They're not pair and perfect, but um, I really love it when female characters are allowed to be complete shit heels. I love a bad person who's a woman. You don't, you don't always get that. It, it's, it's hard to explain, but that, that's something I really like to see is just really complicated women. The body types, A+. Plus, you got body hair. You don't see that ever. And the uh, bi woman was handled beautifully. I just thought 
all of the uh, the characterization of all those people was fantastic. Jordan, anything you want to add? Uh, just kind of like to reiterate something that like Callie quickly uh, said, please look for all of the notes, like the notes, the side stories in this game are as good, if not better than the ones in the original Last of Us. And a lot of them kind of tie into the overall theme of violence begets violence in some sort of way. And it just makes for a much better experience if you like actually are going through a small town and you find out why it's been abandoned and everyone is dead and some people are locked in a back closet like space. Please do it. It'll, it'll make the game so much better for it you. It is worth it. It's worth it <laughs> yeah. even if it's annoying sometimes. It, it, it's almost as if they like took that ish scene or that ish collectibles from the first game mm-hmm. and tried to do that in every single area you went to. Yeah. Very rarely did were any of those stories like unsatisfying unless I missed a note and had to go back and find it later. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth looking out for those things. So, you know, you still might want to kill everyone just so you can get those because... <laughs> They are pretty good. Uh, I guess the only thing I have to say is that I think if you played through it and you're willing to do it again, I think you should play through it again because I think there's a lot more you can get out of a second playthrough and it adds a lot of context. And overall, I mean, while I was more, I guess, engaged with my first playthrough, like I was more like excited to see what would happen next, I appreciate the game a lot more having played it twice. Um, but I think that's that's it. Are we good? We good? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that's been GameSpot's spoiler discussion of The Last of Us Part 2. Make sure to check out one of Callie's reviews, either her spoiler <laughs> review. Well, actually, I guess if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, just watch the spoiler <laughs> review. That makes a lot more sense. But we have a bunch of Last of Us coverage that you should check out. And we're also in the middle of Play For All. So there's a bunch of interviews, live streams, and a bunch of different conferences and whatnot that we're covering. So you're going to want to make sure to stay tuned to GameSpot to check all that stuff out. And we'll see you next time. Slowly